Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. I love it. I love it. It's... I'm going to do my best not to cry. <laughs> Just that song, how powerful that these three people say, you know what? I might be in the thick of it right now. I might be going through some stuff, but I'm choosing to fight the battle. I'm going to choose to fight my battles in a different way. I'm not going my own way. I'm not striving, but I choose to, to follow Christ and I let him fight my battles. And I don't know what, what situation or storm or season you find yourself in coming into this place. But know whatever surrounding like you, God has his armies, angel armies, it says surrounding that. And that you might be going through it, but God's not done yet. God's still working. And, um, and just, if you're a guest here this morning, you are so welcome. Welcome to our family. Welcome to this is how we do church every Sunday. Um, might be a bit different to what you grew up with or what you, you thought, but we believe in this book called the Bible. We believe we're a Christ-following church, and we don't believe that following Christ means everything's dandy and easy, but we believe that it means that God will never forsake us or never leave us when we go through the tough things in life. Hey, why don't you turn just someone, while you get your bowels out, turn someone to your right and left and say, it's so good to be sat next to you. Turn to your second choice. First the worst, second the best. Amazing. Just going just gonna to move this. I've had enough water. Amazing. If you've got a Bible... Why don't you turn to Genesis 26? You've got like the copyright table of contents. Turn right and you hit Genesis. First book in the Bible, Genesis 26. And I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture this morning. I thought about paraphrasing. I'm just going to go for it. So stay with me. And um, I'll try and not get too tongue-tied while reading this. So we're going to look at a character called Isaac this morning. And um, if you've been in church any kind of time or a few, you'll have heard of Abraham, his father probably, and uh, Isaac. And I want to look at something in Isaac's life that I think is really significant for us today in 2019. It's significant for us on Father's Day, and it's significant for us being a baptism. So it says this, verse 20, uh, chapter 26, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while. That, we could preach that right there. Stay in this land for a while. And I, I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to Father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my command 
my decrees and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men of that place asked about his wife, he said, she is my sister. So weird. Because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on the account of my Rebecca because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there for a long time, Abimelech, king of Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. Look at, look at that passage in the message, or the ESV, some funny, interesting words. Verse 9, so Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is you? What is this you have done to us? One of the men might, have, might well have slept with your wife, and you would have brought upon guilt. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who's molested this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You've become too powerful. Verse 17, and this is where I really, this part of the story, I really want to focus this morning. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servant dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac over it. He said, the water is ours, so he named that well Essek because they disputed with him. So they dug another well, but they quarreled over it. So he called that well Sitna. We'll come back to that in a minute. He moved on, there from, on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish. Are you still with me? Still, we're nearly there. Verse 23, from there, he went up to Beersheba. That night, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. Isaac built an altar there, called on the name of the Lord, pitched his tent there, and his servants dug Oh, well. Hey, let's pray once more. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for the three amazing sons and daughters of Christ that have been baptized. Lord, that you would just bless them. And Father, as we look at this book that we believe is not an old, irrelevant book, but is the living word of God, I pray we leave this place changed, knowing more about your plan for our lives than when we came in here. We love you. And we thank you. And everybody said, everybody said. I want to preach a message this morning called, Like Father, Like Son, hashtag, the promise still stands. Just because it's Father's Day, and I know there's some cool dads in here, or dads who think they're cool, I thought I'd get the hashtag in there, stay relevant. Like Father, Like Son, the promise 
still stands. And, and as Gordon's alluded to, this day can for some be a great day, and some of you are going to go and celebrate. For some, this is the worst day in the calendar year. And, and, and I want to talk from this topic with grace and sensitivity, but also with authority of what the, God, the Bible says about who God is as our Father. But I, I've talked about my dad. I've given stories about my dad. I love my dad to pieces. He was like my hero growing up, and um, he was the coolest guy. And if I was in the playground, my dad's stronger. My dad's faster than your dad. My dad's, you know, all of that. Like, that was my dad, and, and still have a brilliant relationship with my dad, but there are some things about my dad that I'm trying to just just leave with that generation. My dad doesn't dress too well. <laughs> my dad, like not not in a bad way, just he's not the coolest guy in 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 my opinion. But that's okay. Um, there's a few other things that I'm just trying to work on in life that I don't become like my father. But you see, the the thing is, no matter how hard you try. Sons and daughters, there are things that you'll carry forward from people that raised you, whether it's parents, grandparents, guardians. You know, those who are around you influence you, and that's a, a brilliant, positive thing. And, and there's a few things that maybe you need to work and leave in the past, but I'm starting to realize I'm 29, but maybe I'm turning into my dad a little bit in a few areas. And so my wife loves to tell me when when I'm turning into my dad, and, and a couple of things just recently, so, so obviously looking after the environment, you go to the, the supermarkets, and you have to pay for your carry bags, and you're supposed to take your own, and, and stuff. My dad was way ahead of his years, because my dad had these geeky, like, fold-out plastic boxes, you know, like this flat pack, and then they fold, and, and he had these boxes, and he'd take them into Aldi, and he'd put them in, and he had this system, and I'd be like, dad, this is so but he was way ahead of his time. It's a, it's a fair play to him. But um, recently, I've just built, bought some fold-out plastic boxes <laughs> to sit in my car. So when I go and do the food shop and I forget the bags or I go in for a few items and come out like, like I got this, um, I've bought some plastic boxes. Another little thing that is, is funny because, again, just like a few years ago when, when I was younger, Recycling wasn't really a thing. Like it was, it was starting to come in, and we went from this one black bin to these three colored bins. And my dad had a system. Oh, my dad had a system. And dare you break the system? Dare you put a bottle in the paper bin or a paper in the bottle bin? Oh my gosh. I've got a recycling system in our house. We have three bins, they've got labels on them. And Tori just leaves it on the side because she knows that the blue job in our house is the recycling. Where am I going with this? I have no idea. <laughs> we see here Isaac, son of Abraham. And we see him repeating some of the things that his father did. Some good, some bad, some very ugly. But we see Isaac carry forward some things from his father. And you see, God is bringing about his work of redemption through humanity. His whole book is about the love of God for his children. And he's working everything out to redeem humanity, to come back into relationship. That close relationship that they had in the Garden of Eden. And that comes through father son relationships from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph 
If we go on, no, to Judah, went through the line of Judah, all the way, what we call now the genealogy of Jesus. And it says in the Bible that salvation came from the Jews. What does that mean? That the first father was Abraham, a Jewish man. But now we live in the new covenant, and now the message of the gospel and salvation is for both Jew and Gentile, those who knew the word of God and those who've never been in church before in their life. Now salvation is through faith, by grace for you and I and this city and this nation and this planet. And there's some things that I want to pull out of this father-like father-like son relationship between Abraham and Isaac, but also Isaac and God his father. And what we can learn from that in this story, we find the people of Israel in a famine, not for the first time. The people of Israel are found in a, land, a time of famine. Water was hard to come by. Food was hard to come by. And I don't know, I said at the start, kind of, maybe you feel you are in a famine right now. You feel like God's not speaking to you like he used to, or you feel like, or even actually right now, putting food on the table is just super hard, and finances are tight, and right now you're feeling like, you're in the middle of a famine, but look at this passage. Look at, look at the promise of God to Isaac, and look how he provides for Isaac in the famine. And then Isaac starts to repeat some of the things of his father. His father lied about his wife being a sister twice. Another preach, but fear took a hold of Isaac, and fear started to cause him to just act irrational, come out with silly things, but it was fear that grappled him. But we see God's grace, because what does Abimelech say after that lie? Don't hurt these people. God protects, because God is gracious. And, and even in Isaac's taking things forward from his father that weren't too pretty, God was gracious to Isaac, just as he was gracious to Abraham. And 2,000, 3, 4, whatever thousand years, I should have done my research, when Abraham was, God is still faithful, and God is still a protector. God is still a provider for you and I. We see Isaac, he, he flourishes in the land. In the mon in a, amongst, amongst, get your words out, Huggin, amongst the enemies, the Philistines, God blessed Isaac. His crops flourished. He works the land. Faith without works is dead. We, we have to work. We have to read our Bibles. We have to go out and earn a living sometimes. We have to pray. We have to, there's a, a, there's a responsibility on us as well as Christians to do. And, and, and God blesses him. And then we see Isaac go on a journey. And he goes and uncovers the wells of his father. And, and, and the wells of the time was significant because wells were water and water was life. And we don't draw from a well anymore. We, we have things called taps that we turn and water flows. But, but where there was a well, there was life. There was herds, flocks. It was a way of living. Where there was a well, there was the promises of God were being revealed to Abraham through the wells that Abraham had dug. And now Isaac returns to that promise and he opens up these wells. But we see this contention. The Philistine people aren't like, sure, just drink away. No, there's, there's contention. Life is sometimes matched with contention and quarrels. But God just reveals how faithful he is and he continues to open up wells for Isaac. And then Isaac ends up in a place called Beersheba. And I'll unpack later. But I've got just a few things that, some thoughts from this passage this morning. And number one is this, that God is a promise maker. 
that God is a promise keeper. God is a promise maker. God is a promise keeper. Verse 3 to 5, God speaks to Isaac, and what does he do? He, he reaffirms that promise that he'd given to Abraham all those years. You'll be the father of many nations. You'll be fruitful. You will have a son. You will have land. You will flourish. That same promise in verse 3 to 5, he gives it to then Isaac. He says, hey, the same promise, Isaac, the same promise, the same promise to you and I, that God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And, and you know, even with the best fathers in the house and the best pastors and the best friends, we are a fallen humanity. We will mess up. We will not fulfill our promises to put the bins out to put the toilet seat down every time. We will fail to come through on some of those promises that we make. Have you ever been around young children and you mention something like, oh yeah, I'll give you a piggyback or we'll play hide and seek. I was down in Nottingham with my nieces recently and they're six and super cute and, and they were like, Simon, Uncle Simon, Uncle Simon, can we go and play hide and seek in the garden? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, just need to do this, need to do that. And Did they forget that I said I would go and play hide and seek with them? Did they not? But, you know, like, we, and, and as, as a, an uncle, like, I want to do my best to have influence, to spend time with them, to impact these amazing girls, but they won't let it drop when, when I said I'll play hide and seek. Oh, you be, better be sure they're going to come and tell me, hey, is it time for hide and seek? Is it time for hide and seek yet? Is it time for hide and seek yet? Okay, let's go and play hide and seek. I won, just for the record. <laughs> but, but God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And, and, he, and then what are the promises of God in this book that you need to remember when you go into your Monday? That he will never leave you or forsake you. That he is your provider. He is your protector. He is an ever-present help in time of need. He is your salvation. He, he is working all things. There's so much in here. My challenge and encouragement is how much do you know about the promises of God for your life in compared to what your Instagram tells you about who you are or what Netflix tells you or what the TV and the newsreel tells you because there's more promises in here that are for you and are, are, are not going to fall short because God keeps his promises. What dreams have maybe you've come in here and you're like, yeah, but you don't know what happened last week. You don't know what happened last month or a couple of years ago. You don't know what I've been through. You're right. I don't, I don't know your story. But I do know this story. I do know this book. And, and, and God maybe wants to just uncover some wells in this place, some dreams, some visions that you had as a child maybe. Maybe you need to get back. I said to our young people on Friday, maybe you need to get your calendar open in your quiet place. When was your baptism date? Not because, you know, like not, it's, it's important to commemorate, but maybe you need to get your diary open, get your baptism date and get back to that place. Remember that promise. Remember what God said. Get back to that point of, of, of the promises of God, those dreams and visions that you once had and God wants to bring them about. He is bringing them about. We see it with Isaac. There's a narrative. There's a story. There's movement. There's land. There's contention. There's quarrels. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. We do not qualify for God's promises because of who you are or what you do. You qualify because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Even in Isaac's deceit and lies, 
even in Abraham's unfaithfulness at times, God still came through because he is a gracious father. Number two, God is our source in every season and every situation. Turn to your neighbor, just wake him up and say, God is your source. To the other neighbor and say, in every situation. What's, where's your source? What do you mean, source? (laughs) S-O-U-R-C-E, source. (laughs) But seriously, like, where are you going for life? Where are you going to be encouraged? Where are you going to get advice? Where are you going in life, in work, in your marriages, in your homes? Where are you turning to to find your guidance? Where's your power source? I was hanging out with Bishop Daniel McDonald yesterday, and and Daniel's learning to drive, and he's got a car, and he's giving it a name. It's pretty cool. Is it it? Black Panther? Black Black Mamba. Sorry, bro. Black Mamba. So Daniel has uh, his first car, and he's learning to drive. And, and I remember those days. He's so eager and so keen. And, and we had a plan yesterday. We were going to go and hang out. We were going to start his car up, and we were going to go for a little drive. But his car just wouldn't start. Just would not start. Like, so so I, I got the car I was in, and we pulled it up, and we got the jump leads out. We're like, we're going to make this happen. We're going we're gonna to get this car started. So we connected. I had to Google it because, <laughs> you know, like father, like son, my dad would not have had to Google that. Don't tell him. Dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I had to Google how to jump the start a car. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but we tried, and we, we got the cables in the right place, and, and it just wouldn't start. Even, even trying to connect it to something that was going, it just wouldn't start because the battery is dead. And, and no matter what you try and how you try and strive, you can, there's only so much of earning your life and your fruitfulness and there's only so much of your business that you can make flourish before it's going to run dry and you're going to need another source. And, and you're going to need another well to drink from. And, and, there's, and there's so much in here. That's why it's so important to spend time with our Heavenly Father because He's our source it shouldn't be prayer and our, and, and our relationship with God should be not a last case resort. No, it should be our first. First every time. Turn to God. We see in here how, how God opened up the wells or Isaac went and opened up the wells of his father. He knew where to, how to return to the things that Abraham had taught him. Abraham would have, you know, digging a well wasn't just like turning a tap on. There was a process. It cost money. It needed instruments. It needed um, materials to do it. And Abraham, I'm sure, would have spent time with Isaac saying, hey, son, let me teach you how to open a well, teach you how to get life. And and Isaac returns to that place and he opens up these wells, but the the Philistines, they quarrel. And one of the wells was called Essek, which means there was a contention. And then there's another well called Sitna, which is really interesting because that word is the same root word that we now have for Satan, the accuser. Life will bring accusation. The enemy will bring accusation. As a Christian, it's not always going to be super easy in your workplaces, in your families. But but we have a source and God continues to provide for Isaac. He then takes him to another well and he says there was no quarrel. It says there was a wide open space, a source that wasn't contended for. And, and that even in the battle, God was the provider. And even in the wide open space and the time of blessing, God was still Isaac's 
source. Number three, nearly done. If you're roasting and cooking, it's not far. Number three, God is our deliverer and our destiny. God is our deliverer and destiny, or God is our deliverer and our destination. I'll explain that, but I'll be honest, I was prepping this passage for and I said, hey, bring something that, you know, bring whatever, and I'd been spending some time in Genesis, and so I kind of returned to where I'd been in the quiet place, and, and I'll be honest, I'd kind of prepped this preach up to verse 23. I was like, God takes you into this wide open space, and then I carried, carried on reading, and it says that Isaac, so we've got this well, no contention, peace, an oasis. It says it was a fresh water. And then just the next verse says, Isaac left there and went on to Beersheba. I don't know what happened between verse 23 and 24. But maybe a bit of speculation, but maybe Isaac's just been obedient to God. Maybe God spoke to Isaac and said, now it's time to go again. Trust me. Isaac leaves this place of oasis. Why would he leave that place to go? Because didn't God say to Abraham, hey, go and I'll show you? And now isn't Isaac going where God will show him? And, and, and that's, that's so relevant for us because God doesn't always give us every turn, every st- step in our way in the plan for our life. But he says, hey, just follow me. Be obedient. Follow me. I'll show you. And so Isaac goes to this place called Bathsheba, which is, again, really significant. I haven't got loads of time to go into that. In fact, that's the clock. I have no time to go into that. But he returns again to a place where he had been with his father. The, the well at Beersheba was the place that Abraham took Isaac to just after, you know, the whole incident on the, on the altar. And Abraham, God comes through. God is faithful. And Isaac goes to Beersheba. Isaac just, just is remembering, hey, my God is faithful. My God's coming through. Returns to Beersheba. And, and, he, and he delivers him from Philistines. Not for the first time God delivers his people. And not for the last time God delivers his people. He takes them to this place in Beersheba. I heard, I heard someone, a pastor, once put it like this. If in life it's not the thing, it'll lead to the thing. And, and you know, like we see here in a passage, a journey. And, and we, we see Isaac being obedient. We see Isaac moving from different places. We see Isaac fulfilling different roles as a father, as a businessman. And, and different roles of Isaac, life, we, we keep moving. We don't quit and you win. Galatians says don't stop in doing good because in the right time you'll reach a harvest. And if you're not quite sure where you're at right now and you're like, I'm not really seeing where this fits the picture, God. Like a few more pieces of the jigsaw would be really good right now. And God says just keep following me. It will make sense. And you will look back on your baptism day. You will look back on that first love, that decision you made to follow Christ. And you will look back at the things and the testimonies. And you will see that God is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And he provides for his people. And we see Isaac. He returns to this place. He's like, I know my father's going to provide. I'm going to trust you. And he got Isaac actually to a really significant place for the rest of humanity. He got him to a significant place to work out his story of redemption. For humanity. It's less about where you are and what you do and more about who you are. It's less about where geographically and what. That's important. That's important. But it's more important about who you are. A child of God. A kid of the king. As Pastor Stephen Finney puts it. Why don't the band jump, jump back up? I'm, I'm nearly done here. But there's, there's more than just deliverance here. 
Notice, notice verse 25. Could we get 25 on the screen? Sorry, I put you under pressure there. Maybe not. It's cool. So it says, verse 25, it says, Isaac built an altar there. So wait, so Isaac's come to a new place. And what did he do in the previous times? He said that Isaac went and got a well, or dug a well. He said Isaac went and uncovered a well. Notice the shift. Oh, Genesis 1. We'll go back to that another week. Don't worry about it. It says Isaac went, and what did he do? He said he built an altar. Isaac is growing in his faith. Isaac is what we call sanctification. I'm not the same person I was yesterday. I'm maybe not the person I want to be, but I'm still moving. I'm still following Christ. I want to look more like Christ today than I did yesterday. Isaac built an altar. There's something that's taken place in Isaac that says, actually, I'm going to stop and I'm commemorating this moment right here. And like baptism, we're just going to take a moment that we commemorate that we put God in his rightful place. It says that he built an altar. And then what he does, he pitches his tents. He puts down foundations and roots. Stay in church. That's not because I believe church saves anyone, or I think this is the best church on the planet. It's because God designed humanity to be done in community. Come to church. Get in a small group. Not because, like, this isn't a plug. Fiona or Gordon hasn't said, hey, could you just mention? That's not the agenda here. It's so important that when you don't feel like coming to church, you come to church. When you don't feel like going to small group, you go to small group. Because if we keep following our feelings, like Isaac did, we're going to start lying about our wife being our sister, which is weird. Okay? I'm a married man, and that's just weird. I like it, Kitsa. It's nice. It's nice. There's a shift in the atmosphere. But Isaac's growing. And you see, God wants to save you and deliver you. But then he wants to be your destination, your destiny. He wants to reshape. He has a plan for your life, and he wants to partner with you. He wants you to follow and be obedient. He's not a puppet master telling you what to do. No, no, he's a good father. He says, hey, follow me. Be obedient. Obedience will always lead to blessing. Like Isaac, he was obedient. But there's a shift. He, he builds an altar, puts down roots, and then he says his servants went and dug a well. And I was thinking about a well and water, and you've probably maybe even jumped there yourselves, but there was a story of Jesus in the Bible. There was more than one story at a well. But there was one story in John for, again, we're not going to go through the whole story. If you've been in church, you've, you've probably heard this story where, where Jesus pursues a woman. He breaks down barriers. He breaks down boundaries, and he goes after this woman. And he finds himself in an encounter with this woman at the well. And it's in, it's in John 4. And notice there's like some contention to start. There's a bit of dialogue. There's a bit of contention. Then she thinks he's going to accuse her like the enemy would, and she's just ready, she's defense up, you've got this, and God's like, Jesus is like, no, 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 hey, like, if you know who I am, you know, I'm going to give you living water, I'm going to give you eternal life, and, and in, in this passage, she's beautiful, because she's like, hey, like, I know, I know this Jewish thing, you all came from Abraham, right, that promise to Abraham, I, I, I know something about that, and Jesus is like, yeah, carry on, and you know, this is the one and very few occasions where, where when Jesus was asked, who are you? Like, he was like, I am the Messiah. 
You remember like the other stories about Jesus where, where his time hadn't come yet and he would, he would almost answer a question with an answer, but right here, he's like, I am he, I am the Christ. And you know what? Like draw from my well and you'll never go thirsty. And God is, wants to deliver you from your past. He'd deliver you from your sin and take you into a wide open space and be your destination, your destiny, and be a continued source. He's got some promises for you in this book that he ain't gonna break. He wants to be your source in every season, in every situation. We, you know, me and my wife are going through, just, just to be, try and be as humble, but we're going through an just amazing time where we just, God just keeps kind of pouring a bit of favor. Well, I don't deserve this. But we've also been in seasons where he's been our source and it ain't been easy. But in every season, every situation, He's like, I'm living water. And, and there's something really interesting in this passage because, because the woman has this encounter with Jesus and he delivers her from her past and he reshapes her destiny because it says that she left there and went and told everyone about this encounter. But there's just this little verse and it says that she left the jar. She left the jar. She left the jar. The very thing she had taken to go and get water from, she left. And I think this is super significant for us because the very thing that you think is giving you life, the very thing you brought in here thinking is going to give you life might not be or possibly isn't the thing that is actually going to give you eternal life. And maybe there's some jars and I would love to smash some jars right now, but my wife said I can't. But I'd love to get some jars and smash them. The jars of fear and anxiety because, because God's, the woman it says she left it. She left what she, she brought something to give her life and she left it. Why? Because God had delivered her and reshaped her destiny and now she is saved salvation and, and she goes and tells others around that transforming conversation that she'd had with Jesus. Like father, like son, the promise still stands. This promise still stands. Are you submitted to, to God's will or your will? Are you the captain of the ship? Are you in control of your destiny as well, the world likes to, to put it? Or are you ready to just surrender? Are you ready to surrender and go, you know what, I don't need this water jar. I'm leaving it because now I know there's a higher way. There's a well that will never run dry. And maybe for you today, that is the first time first time that you've even maybe heard the message of the gospel, that your sin and shame separated you from God, but, but, but Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago went to a cross, took it all on him, and now we have eternal life, saved by grace through faith. Or maybe you've heard this message hundreds and hundreds of times, but it's time you return to the source. It's time you smash some jars, some things in your life that you are thinking you need to bring you life that aren't. I don't know what that looks like for you. Why don't you jump to your feet? I'd love to pray for us and we're going to worship before we finish. Every head bow, every eye closed. I want to pray with you this morning, church. But if you're hearing the message of the gospel for the first time and you're like, mm, this guy with a funny beard and white jeans, it's too good to be true. What do I need to do? 
No, no, that's the message of the gospel. That's the message of God's love for you. And there's just a simple step. You just need to respond in this moment. Drop the jar as it were. And if that's you with every head bow and every eye closed, I love you just to respond on the outside on something that's going on in your heart right now. And so one, Jesus loves you. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Three, just put your hand in there if that's you this morning. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this moment right now to respond to the message of the gospel. God wants to deliver you and he wants to reshape your destiny and he has a plan for you. Or maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, Simon? Like I, I got baptized 20 years ago, 10 years ago, or and just, just, you just things. You're in a bit of a famine, but you just realise right now in this moment, you need to get back to that well, back, back to that living water. I love just to pray with you and encourage you this morning. If that's you, you just need to get back to that place of intimacy with Christ. Where you just, again, just raise your hand. No one's looking. This is just so I can pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this day that was written in your, the palms of your hand long before this even happened. I thank you for the three amazing daughters of Christ that have taken that step, Lord. I thank you for this church. I thank you for our pastors and our leaders. I thank you for fathers in this house today, God. But Lord, I thank you for those who've responded this morning and just who want to get back to that source back to that well of living water. Holy Spirit, would you just come and do a work so powerful right now? Holy Spirit, just come and cleanse hearts right now. Come and do a deep work in hearts. That, that means we leave this place changed. That we go about our week in a different way because we've had an encounter with Christ at the well. We love you. We thank you. Everybody says, Amen. Let's continue to worship church.